When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket. We're in good spirits today after that England victory, 191 runs. They beat South Africa by in that fourth test at the Wanderers. 3-1 series victory after losing the first test. And actually, I've had quite a long day today because I was watching the big bash first, starting at about 3am, moving on to England against South Africa. I've just worked out, Simon, I've seen... 574 runs today, because 300 runs in the Big Bash game and 274 all out for South Africa. 574 runs, that's Uh, quite a lot of boundaries. And what, about 20-plus wickets as well? 20-plus wickets, so I've seen a full full match in about 10 hours' worth. But great to see England really enjoying that. Finishing the game in four days. Here's here's to four-day test cricket. (laughs) We can, uh, well, we'll part that debate, but... uh, England generally really good today, and it's capped an excellent turnaround in the series, hasn't it? Well, yeah, superb from England, really. And at the start of the series, I felt that South Africa would be tougher to beat than a lot of people were suggesting. A lot of people, you've got to remember, a lot, at the start of the series, so this is one of my point about not getting too carried away. A lot of people expected England to go to South Africa and win the series. Well, that's exactly what they've done. They've beaten a South African side that's not great. I think it's the worst side since readmission, or the weakest side since readmission. You look down their lineup. how many players do you fear? Uh, de Kock is a good player, leading run scorer in the series, but he gives you a chance. So, you, you know, is he capable of getting those really punishing scores that debilitate a, a bowling fielding side? And then look at the bowling. Uh, Rabada is a class bowler, missed the last test match, didn't perhaps have the impact on the series that South Africa were hoping. But apart from those two, actually, Norky's had a good series. But, you know, there, there aren't that many players that you fear in that mm. South African lineup. So, you know, England have, have 
gone to South Africa. They've done what a lot of people are expecting them to do. I actually thought South Africa would put up more resistance uh, than they did. Although, you know, once I started to see them, I think in about the one and a half test matches, I sort of realised some of the problems they had and their their, their weaknesses. So, uh, you know, I think we expected England to win, and they've done that. So, you know, what do they what do they take out of it? I think you need to be sort of cautiously optimistic about England uh, from here. It's, it's slightly new look side. Younger players have, have done well, which is good, isn't it? It's been an all round display mm. from England. Yeah. Yeah, and and I think a couple of things I'd, I'd, I'd identify that England can take out of this. Uh, one is two totals of over 400 in consecutive test matches, batting first. The first time, 499, and then the second time, just over 400. So that set up two games, two victories. And the other thing is they've taken 20 wickets in all four test matches, away from home. Now, we know England are excellent at taking wickets at home with the Duke's ball, but not so good at taking 20 wickets in a test match away from home with the Kookaburra ball. And they've done that with a, a variety of different people. So Anderson in one test match taking five for, with swing and seam, Dominic Best taking a five-wicket haul with his off-spin, first time that a young off-spinner or young spinner for England has taken five wickets away from home for God knows how long. And then, uh, in this test match, Mark Wood, raw pace and hostility taking five wickets in an innings. So, in three different conditions, a spinning pitch in Cape Town, a flat pitch in Port Elizabeth, and one with a bit of uneven bounce and pace in uh, Johannesburg, they've shown their adaptability with the attack and South Africa haven't made even 300 once. That's right. No, no 300s in the series for South Africa. Which says a fair bit about them, yeah. as much as it does about England's hostility and, and potency. Well, it also says something about the toss as well. So I think the tosses were really important in this series. England won every single toss, and the, all th- four test matches were won by the side batting first. We've uh, bemoaned the fact that pitches haven't deteriorated much uh, around the world in, in recent years, but actually I think the pitches here did deteriorate. They did go up and down. They mm. did spin at times, Port Elizabeth, for example. So I think it was hard to bat second and fourth, especially fourth in the Test match. So England you know, definitely had the benefit there. And I, it would have been fascinating, actually, to see England batting second in, in some of the Test matches, just to sort of t- test them a bit more. Anyway, they didn't. You, you can't go with the, the ifs of history. They, you know, they batted first, and they, you know, they won three to one. I, you know, often we look forward, don't we, and say, well, what does this mean? Uh, look at the strengths of the two sides. What does this mean for England in the future, for Sri Lanka, for India, for Australia in, in two years' time? Are they developing a, a potent test team again? Is it a new side that's emerging? Sometimes I actually just have to stop and say that sometimes there are great stories in in sport and Mark Wood's renaissance, rejuvenation, fitness in this mm. series has been one of them. He, you know, he played in the World Cup final, uh, he played on the winning side in the World Cup final, he's had to go through all that rehabilitation after injury and, 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 and he's sort of, come out and, and the mental side. and he's man of the match in the last yeah, game. And that, what, a, what a fantastic achievement. That, that's true and, and it's the mental resilience, isn't it, to come back as well from mm. the, the high point of the World Cup final, then the, the dejection of, of losing your fitness and not playing any cricket after that. Yeah, missing the ashes from yeah, the start. Yes, yeah, and, you know, which, of course, had featured in the last time. So you see all that going on, unfolding in front of you, and you can't be part of it. But to still have the heart to come back, and actually come back as a better bowler, he's bowling with a, a longer run-up now, which gives him, I think, a bit more momentum to the crease. There's still that horrible sort of teeth-rattling 
impact at, at the crease, which I'm sure is going to cause him further injury problems down the line. But in these two test matches and in back-to-back games as well, he sustained his pace superbly and bowled intelligently as well as fast. You know, he used the conditions very well. He had a great seam position. He moved the ball a little bit in the air. He bowled very good lengths, I thought. I like the way that he goes round the wicket against the tail-enders and bowls those horrible sort of skiddy bounces into the ribs, gives them the tail-enders some hurry-up and slightly intimidating. So, you know, I just like the way he used the conditions. And, and you know, what a joy to watch him bat as well. Well, that, that's the other thing. I mean, it's, it's fantastic, isn't it? It's, it's he thinks free... he's all round, doesn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, free spirit. You've got to keep playing the same way, haven't you, really? Just, you know... Judicious attacking. Well, some some of it was injudicious actually, but backing away and smacking it over a wide third man. But yeah, it was it was joyous actually, and, and actually yeah. he plays with a smile on his exactly. face all the time. Exactly, he? his cricket is joyous. It's, mm. it's great to watch him. I mean, he's a he's a funny bloke. Uh, we we had him in the BBC commentary box during the Ashes series, and it, you know it was great to have him there as well. You can understand how he's so popular in the dressing room, and he sort of takes that. Onto the field. I mean, when he's fit and and confident, I mean he, that's a very very good cricketer England have there. But you know the key and the, the difficulty is maintaining that fitness uh, consistently. As you mentioned, you know that that leap when he bowls and the, the, the pressure, the shot going through his body. Somehow they're going to have to manage him. I don't know how, how that's going to work because. It, it, you just never know when these injuries are going to suddenly get worse again. Probably Sri Lanka is, is going to be a, a waste of time for him. He, it's not a place where seamers can get much out of it. But he might get some reverse. He might get some reverse swing, I suppose. So, but be, and, and also, World Championship, World Test Championship points are available for those two tests against Sri Lanka. So England will definitely be focusing on getting, if they can, 120 points out of that series and making them really climb closer to Australia and India. It means this series victory that England are still in third spot in the World Test Championship, but they're slightly closer to India and Australia. And I think we're seeing there potentially a sort of breakaway of those three teams, India, Australia, India on 360, Australia, what is it, 286? 296. 296. England, 146. So, and then the next team, 80. So, you know, those three teams just looking a little bit better than the rest. How are England compared to Australia and India? Well, they're the next two big opponents away from home. I know we've got Sri Lanka two test series, but the big series coming up, India next winter, Australia the winter after. So what England have shown is that they can take wickets away from home with the Kookaburra in different conditions, but that those two teams, Australia and India, are going to be a severe test still. England are well short of them at the moment. Yeah, they took 80 wickets, but against a, a fallible South African batting lineup, you know, this is not, this has not been the South Africa of the past. And actually, even the South Africa of the past, England have done well, though. That's four consecutive series they've played away, played in South Africa, where they, they come away undefeated. They, for some reason, they have a, a very good record in South Africa. They're always good competitive series. This one actually probably a bit, a bit less so, although England did have to come from one down to win the series. But England have a very good record in South Africa. So, I, I don't know. It's, I would reserve judgment on England, you know, what it means and the, the renaissance of this England test side. I, you know, I've still got those memories of trying to get BJ Watling out at the Bay Oval when they're bowling attack, even you know, with Archer in it. No wood, of course. Archer in it. Uh, looked a bit Toothless. What about uh, Joffre Archer then? Uh, mm. England, England have won without him. 
And I, I, I know he's worried. He's, he's concerned about his injury, which we talked about on this programme before. That elbow injury is something that can really bug you, dog you, be hard to shake off. I, I hope to goodness he does. And, you know, the rehabilitation and medical treatment of cricketers now is so much better than it used to be. But I remember having an elbow injury of a, a similar nature myself, and it took a long time. And I probably never really completely shook it off. Hopefully he'll be able to recover that, that potency because he will. I mean, if you imagine Archer and Wood together. Well, that was the hope here, wasn't it, at the Wanderers, is that you could see them in action together. But... It, it may be that they alternate, and, and that's fine, actually. I, I think if, if it's a five-test series and you've got one guy who can bowl 90-plus, plus also Stokes. You know, we should just talk about Ben Stokes because uh, we'll have a look at one or two of the other performances, England individual performances, but Stokes is the man of the series... He's a warrior-like all-rounder. I think he's already a great all-rounder. And his all-round stats in, in this series? Ten wickets at 22. Always hostile. I mean, even today, bowling you know, aggressively, bowling consistently. Well, that's the point as well. When Root's looking for a wicket, he, he chucks the ball to Ben Stokes. I mean, they leave him sort of later rather yeah. sooner these days because they're nursing him through this this knee problem that he's got. He had it in, in New Zealand and they're looking to manage him a bit. But looking for a wicket, chuck the ball to Stokes. And, and there's quite a lot of times in this series that he has come up with a wicket and, and actually vital wickets. Well, he got Cape Elgar, Town. didn't he, here? Yeah, he got Elgar he, in this match, yeah, in the second innings. Caught, caught and bowled. He also got rid of Duplessis as well. So yeah. two big wickets yeah. at, at the top. So ten wickets at 22. Don't sound like a huge amount, or ten wickets, but vital wickets. And he's from your number five batsman. Yeah, and 318 runs at 45. And... 12 catches as well in the series. OK, he did, he did drop a few, um, a couple of them goobers as well, but, you know, he's he just that all-round impact. And, and the catching, generally, those catches he took in Cape Town, there were some absolute screamers. Mm. Mm. That just lifts a team. You know, if you're battling to take wickets and somebody plucked one out of the air like that, you know, it, just, it's, it gives everybody that much more heart to know that, you know, someone there is going to snaffle them pretty much wherever they are. It also means, from a batting point of view, you know, you know, if I edge it, he's going to catch me. And so it, it just makes the batsman a bit more apprehensive as well. And there was definitely apprehension about the way that South Africa batted overall. Uh, Stokes, as you say, is the man that Root can turn to. I mean, you can just see there's this sort of bromance going on between Root and Stokes. It, Root loves him to bits, and just uh, the, the fact that he can call on him in his, any situation. The, the top captains, successful captains, need a warrior-like figure. Stokes is definitely that. You, you talked about looking ahead and, and India and Australia. I mean, if you did have Stokes, Wood and Archer fit in firing in, in two years' time, it's not a bad attack to take to the gabatoir for that uh, first test match. But obviously, you know, we're getting ahead of ourselves. A lot, a lot of cricket to be played before then. You, you know, injuries mm. come along and, and who knows where Australia will be in a, in a couple of years' time. I, I want England to find somebody who bowls like Josh Hazelwood, a tall bowler, because Wood is short... Skiddy, Archer is tall, but not as tall as Hazelwood. And Hazelwood bowls that really awkward length uh, at all the Australian pitches, where he's he's a bit fuller than you think, but he's still hitting the top of the bat all the time. In the last forty years, fifty years, whatever, since you've been watching Test cricket, which England bowler is most like? 
Josh Hazel. Well, I, who, who, what, are you, what are you talking about? Well, I, I suppose a combination of Angus Fraser, when he was absolutely at his best, which was only for about three years. He was bowling around about that pace. And just briefly, Chris Tremlett. Who obviously played in that? So, so a combination of the two. Well, no, I mean wh- those one two of the, bowlers. One of those yeah. at, in their pomp. So Chris Tremlett, who played in that 2011 Ashes winning series, was really effective on Australian pitches, but his impact didn't last long. You know, he's a bodybuilder now. Mm-hmm. Have you seen any of those pictures? I haven't, but I've I heard mean, he is. He does, you don't want to cross him in a dark night. He's enormous. So he's he's not just. Well, he was always he's tall, tall, but wide, but wide now. as well. Yeah, okay, I give that, yeah, give that one a miss. Um, but okay, before Australia, okay, it's all very well talking about Australia in a couple of years' time and pace options, and you don't know where the bowlers are going to be in terms of fitness. But before then, we, there's spin tests. Mm. So Sri Lanka and India are the next two away tours, very different from what they've had so far this winter with New Zealand and slow, low pitches, and then South Africa, where there is some. Bit of help. There is banks. There's you know, even banks for the pace bowlers. Okay, there was some spin in, in Port Elizabeth. What what do England do, and how how well stocked is that cupboard really? Well, I mean, it's not bad. It, it's not. It's better than it was, I think, uh, because there's a bit more consistency there. And I think Leach and Best together could work as a pair, augmented by perhaps Moen Ali as well. I could see those three all bringing slightly different elements. So Leach, consistency without a lot of spin. I think Bess has some guile and, and flight, and he can turn the ball. And I think he's an emerging, potentially very good bowler. Uh, not, I'm not saying he's going to be a great bowler, but I think he could be very effective. Uh, and Moen, 180 test wickets, great experience. If they could persuade him to, to come and play in Sri Lanka, three-pronged spin attack, probably be as good as Sri Lanka's spin attack. Degree of difficulty compared to Sri Lanka and South Africa, where, where, where would you place it? Do you think it's, it would be harder for England to go to Sri Lanka and win the series? I know they won 3-0 last time there, but... I know they're going to make flatter pitches. I don't think it'll be harder. I'm, I don't think Sri Lanka are not great, are they? Have they got any real major stars? A couple, maybe, but I, I think England should outgun them. Uh, Sri Lanka are always going to be handy players with some natural talent, but England should be disciplined, the fielding, the hostility of the fast bowlers, the dedication of the batsmen, obviously different challenges, people like Sibley, not really uh, all that certain about how to play spin, but there's only one way to find out if he can do it. Let's have a go. Mm. So you think, actually, on, about on a par? England should, England should, I think England should beat Sri Lanka mm. with, this, with this side. We focused on quite a lot of the, the positives from England's series. Well, actually, not all the positives yet, because we could, we could talk about Dominic Sibley, who was the, the leading run scorer. People have questioned his technique, etc. But a couple of the, the, if you like, the minus points of the tour. Uh, Joe Denley at number three, 210 runs at 30, uh, still lacking that mm, big, big score. score yeah. And Joss Butler... Uh, behind the stumps, well, with the bat in hand, 116 runs at, at 16.42. The, the transition from batsman to batsman wicketkeeper so far hasn't produced the numbers for him. What, what do England do there? Per- persevere and see where they go with it, see, see if they can produce that big score and, in Butler's case, runs down the order? Well, I think Denley... Uh, 
difficult, isn't it? Because he's, he's done okay mm. without ever sort of setting the world alight. You know, he reminds me a little bit of the way Mark Raprakash struggled in Test cricket. Looks great, plays lovely shots, and then just gets out. And at times doesn't rotate the strike. I think he struggles against spin. He likes pace on the ball, so he's going to find it difficult in Sri Lanka. Whether he's the right option at number three, uh, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure he is. I don't think he's one for the future. If there was, if it was possible to play Burns, Sibley and Crawley as the top three, that would be my preference, but Burns isn't going to be fit. So probably Denny will get another go, I'd say. Um, Butler... I would stick with, actually, uh, because I think he's got something different as a player. Although I totally see Ben Folkes' credentials as wicketkeeper batsman, I, I just think that I would still invest in Butler because he's he's got something extra as a batsman. He can take a game away from a team. He just needs to play with a bit more confidence. We talked about Ben Folkes on the podcast uh, last week, and you put out the call, you know, where is he? Is he fit? But I understand that he's, he's fine. Uh, yeah, you know, he's, he's been fit. training at Surrey. Yeah, yeah. He's raring to go for anyone who will have him, basically. Yeah, because he hasn't played any cricket since last September. And you sort of look down the list of players, and normally you know, someone's played somewhere, haven't they, uh, You know, in, in a, a league somewhere or played some cricket somewhere around the world. But um, nothing uh, for Ben Folk since last September. And what about you? What's your hunch on that? On whether... Well, I, I, Butler or Folk? Well, I, 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 do you know what I would like to see? I would like to see Ben Fakes keep wicket, and I'd like to see Joss Butler bat. In other words, as an amalgam of the two, really, they, you want Butler's batting and Fokes's wicket keeping. Of course, you can't have that. You know that sort. Of well, you cricket, can. cricket. Well, you could. What I mean is actually combine that two cricket. I just wish. I suppose I wish that Butler's keeping was as good as Fokes or, or near to Fokes, and perhaps you wish that Fokes's batting was as as good or as devastating yeah. as Butler's. That that's what I, I think I would. I would in an ideal world, what you, you would have, but that's a you're sitting on the fence. Well, then. that's sort of Adam Gilchrist. No, I would keep I would keep going with Butler. I would keep going with Butler mainly because I just I th- I suppose it's a sort of selfish thing. When I go to cricket, you want to see people that can excite you. You want to see people who, when they come into bat, you you watch a bit more keenly. You know, you're not sort of dozing. You, you you're right on it. And and Butler's one of those players, especially in white ball, well, mainly in white ball and, cricket. And, and he's just such a good influence in the team. And I'm not saying Ben Folkes wouldn't be, but mm. uh, I think Butler's, everyone loves him. He's just a, a, a positive atmosphere around the team generally, a good chap, a good team man. Mm. I mean, they have shown they're prepared to be ruthless. You know, Johnny Bairstow has been uh, dispatched, and it might be. They just say, Joss, it's not, it's not working, is it? Actually, let's just concentrate on, on white ball cricket and bring in... Uh, ben folks, so yeah, it remains to be seen what they're going to do about that. So, you know, it's, it's possible that they could uh, be ruthless about that one. So, England overall, they'll be pleased with Sibley's output. I'm still not quite convinced mm. about his his method, and I think he will be targeted around the leg stump by a lot of seam bowlers with fielders in catching positions at leg gully and probably short mid-wicket or it's something. It's so weird, that, isn't it? Because normally you'd say, oh, yeah, you target him around about fourth, yeah. fifth stump. He's got that kind of cover, doesn't he? The other thing is, he does play across his front pad, and I would also, if I was a quickish bowler, one of the uh, faster Sri Lankans, I'd be looking to bowl very full and straight, because I think he does play around his front pad. So... Not entirely convinced about his his method, but certainly mental approach, excellent. Crawley, still a a work in progress as well, getting slightly better. I feel he's a bit stiff. 
He's a little bit rigid as a, as a player, so when he drives, he doesn't really flow into the ball. And also pulling, he sort of pulls off the front foot with a rather static body. So I, I don't know if batsmen can do this, but if he could work on mobility a bit more, just be a bit more nimble, look at the way Root plays without trying to actually copy him, just look at the way he moves around the crease, he sort of floats around the crease, whereas I feel that Crawley's a bit sort of planted. And for floating and, and just fluency of movement, Ollie Pope, mm. what a fantastic discovery he's been. I mean, he played um, a couple of partnerships with Root, and you could barely tell the difference between them. And there's Joe Root with one of the most runs ever scored by an England batsman. He's in the top 10 now with the best average of any of England's top 10 run scorers, about 48, his averages. And yet you've got Ollie Pope in his, what, fifth or sixth test looking equal to England's master. The way he deposits the ball through the leg side, his defence, his application, his uh, beautiful wrists in, into the ball, his recognition of situations, how to play, his range of shots when you're batting with the tail, just his smart attitude to the game uh, is highly impressive. Yeah, well, he's, he's clearly a class player in the making. What, what will happen, of course, is he'll have some dips as well and people start to say, oh, you know, he needs to be taken out of the side. And that's fine because players come in, do well, and there aren't that many players that aren't dropped at some point in their career. But he, he does look to have that all-round game and that's a that's a I, I would say probably in a way from this winter that's one of the real really big positives for England that you, there's a young player there with a an all-round technique a technique that that can work in all sorts of situations in in all sorts of countries around the world that that's the hope anyway if he if he continues that improvement that uh, development in the next uh, few years England have got potentially a, a high-class player so of, of all the big gains for England uh, in South Africa, and there have been quite a lot because it's been an all-round team performance. I think he would be at, at the top of it. I mean, you know, be great performances from uh, you know, Root Solid and, and Stokes and Sibley has had a, a good time of it, but Pope is is up there, right up there, I would say. Sam Curran's stats aren't necessarily outstanding. Ten wickets, though, and I think he'll be a very valuable player in Sri Lanka because. So he gets in the team with the spinners coming think, in, is he? I think I might play him, actually, because uh, if you can fit him in. Uh, because well, Rather than somebody like Stuart Broad, because he's got that left-arm angle, he's skiddy, he doesn't make the ball bounce over the stumps, and you want to be bowling at the stumps in Sri Lanka. And, of course, they one of their most famous bowlers, Chimindavas, was exactly like Sam Curran, left-arm over, about the same pace, about the same stature, similar kind of approach to bowling, trying to swing it both ways, but pitch it up, hit the stumps, bowl with the odd bit of a few varieties as well, try and look to reverse swing it later. So he's similar to to Mindewast, and he's got that benefit of being able to to make quick runs and hit the ball in funny places and bat with confidence. He's not very good batting... See, in Australia, I don't think he'll be that effective. I think he'll be slightly intimidated by the taller, faster bowlers and probably won't get many runs, and I don't think his bowling will be that effective. But in Sri Lanka, on those slower, lower pitches, both batting and bowling could have an impact. Well, Jaminda Vast, 355 test wickets in his 111 test matches. I think it's fairly... I'm fairly confident Sam Curran would take that. And and, and the other thing, of course, is if you're playing with an off-spinner, a left-arm over bowler does provide that bit of rough mm. against uh, the right-hand batsman. So that's why Jamin Devas and Murley were a great double act 
Jamin Devas running in left arm over down the wicket, creating a little bit of rough for the off-spinner Murley to aim into. So left arm over and off-spin works well together. Yeah. Isn't it the case, though, that Curran doesn't create that much rough? Well, he needs to get bigger boots with longer <laughs> spikes. It's only, if, I also feel with Sam Curran, if, if only he were six inches taller, what, yeah. what a cricketer Cause, he would cause be. Because actually, uh, it's funny, but uh, that, that might sound sort of facetious to say bigger boots, but the, the tall bowlers who have big feet create larger areas of rough. And also, further down the pitch, nearer to the right length for the bowler, the, the other end as well, uh, because of their longer stride pattern, they do end up getting their rough in, in a more effective, useful area for the spin of the other end. So Sam Curran needs to go to, into, onto a rack to stretch his body a little bit and get those big sort of clodhopper boots so he can make a big mess when he follows through. Stuart Broad, England's leading wicket-taker in the series, he, he, said, he said to Archie, you know, you'll enjoy bowling with the... Cookerbra bought in South Africa on South African pitches. Well, Archer only played one test match. He did take six wickets in it. Uh, Broad, though, 14 wickets in the series to go with his excellent Ashes series. I wonder whether with Stuart Broad, is that feeling that he's, whether he sort of felt he was coming towards the end of his t- test match career and there was a feeling that he had a you know, job waiting for him in, in television. And in a way, he sort of relaxed. Just so, you know, every game, every series is a bonus. There's, there isn't that pressure on me now to perform week in, week out. OK, there, there's a, of course, there is a pressure because you're playing for your, your country, but it's not the same pressure that he was under when he was younger. I, I wonder whether there's something in that, the, that he's sort of enjoying his cricket and Freeze him up, sort of liberation, yeah, almost. almost. And we saw it in his batting. And yeah. I mean, in, in in the first innings of this Test match, I mean, what a partnership that was! Of you know, of glorious gay abandon. Eighty-two in eight point two overs. South Africa smashed everywhere, and it was it, they were just having enormous amounts of fun. Broad making uh, forty-three, and you know, he, his batting these days is 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 vulnerable. But if you if you let him get away, if you give him a few freebies, even you know, even now he's a, you know can be devastating and actually in, in a way that partnership was was the game was the partnership that broke the it broke South Africa's mm. spirit I think they bowled England out for 320 you sort of got something to aim at but 400 at uh, the Wanderers felt like oh, a really long haul and South Africa didn't really have the, the technique the the fight for it especially in that first innings mm. I, what I really like about Broad is he's always evolving so his bowling is it's a sort of work in progress all the time so he's looking to try and change the different grips and things he he employs to take wickets varying his pace varying his position on the crease he's always trying to think how can I get the most out of myself to take wickets for England and in this test match at the Wanderers I thought he used the cross seam delivery very effectively so he recognised there wasn't any seam movement so in a way not much point in landing the ball seam up because it wasn't going to do anything. So if you go cross-seam, you get some balls which land on the, the leather and sort of keep low and skid, and then some balls which land on the ridge of the seam and kick a bit. And you could see the way they were trying to hit the cracks with cross-seam deliveries, and some were keeping a bit low, like the one that bowled Duplessis off the bottom of the bat, and, and some that kick up and, and take the glove like the one that got Bavuma out. So, you know, very intelligent and creative use of the conditions. Bowlers, when they're well into a ball, you know, 40 overs old, 50 overs old, how many cross seam deliveries would they bowl and how many seam up deliveries would they bowl? Well, talking I, about pace I, I would say uh, until the last five or six years, 95% seam up, the occasional ball cross seam, but 
I, I personally used to like trying cross-seam deliveries because I wasn't making the ball move much generally, and I found the variations you could get from cross-seam deliveries effective. Also, to tell you the truth, some days I couldn't control the swing and bowled, you know, both sides of the wicket. So mm. I found cross-seam deliveries which don't swing a bit more effective and a bit more reliable. But I think over the last sort of four or five years, as bowlers have started using it in more in one-day cricket. You know, someone like Liam Plunkett will bowl predominantly cross-seam deliveries in a one-day spell because he knows it comes off the, the surface at different speeds and slightly different heights according to whether the ball lands on the leather or on the seam. Now it's being used a little bit more in test cricket as well. Mention of Liam Plunkett, of course, makes me think about the one-day series. The, the show must go on. The circus, the caravan moves on. It's, it's the one-day is next. The white ball, six matches England play. Three one-day internationals, three T20s. It will be England's first one-day international... Since winning the World since Cup. Since winning the World Cup. So in about a week's time in, in Cape Town, they take on uh, South Africa. Who they, of course, they beat in that opening match in the World Cup. Uh, strange in a way, because... It, in a way, the, the T20 matches have more significance because there is a World T20, T20 Cup coming up in, in Australia uh, later this year. But you know, you, you, you've got to keep on paying the bills, and so they, you know, the, the one-day cricket is not totally on the, the back burner. Um, and yeah, and England are a sort of are a selling point as a one-day side mm-hmm. as well. So hopefully, those games will be well attended. I think England should, should thump South Africa. To be honest, I mean, what I worry about. South Africa's future, really, because, you know, they're losing players consistently to to England. So, you know, Morley Morkel obviously joined Surrey a couple of years ago, one of their ace bowlers. Now Vernon Philander's retiring and going off the Somerset to play for them. They've lost Carl Abbott as well. We don't know Duplessis' future. Obviously, de Villiers might play in the World T20s, Olifier's possibly. Gone. Olivier, Dale Staines retired, mm-hmm. Amler's retired. So, you know, they've lost a whole generation mm-hmm. of superb cricketers and you don't see the next generation being able to replace them. One or two elements of encouragement there with someone like Van der Dusen, for instance, and uh, Anrich uh, Nokia looks at a, a good prospect as well. But those those two guys can't, with Decock, can't support the team forever. Lots of changes in South Africa's uh, one-day squad. Five newcomers and Decock. As captain, he was instrumental in South Africa winning the series against England last time, batted brilliantly at the top of the order, and you feel he's going to have to produce something scintillating at the top of the order to, to challenge England. But it's a fickle business, uh, one-day cricket. You know, one man can, can mm. win a game. In test matches, you need that all-round sort of effort, or at least you need four or five to be on their game, you need five or six to be on their game. But one-day international, one man can, can win it with a, well, mainly with a brilliant innings. Um, so, so we'll see uh, three one-day internationals starting in Cape Town uh, next Tuesday, Durban and, and Johannesburg, and then uh, three T20 matches. Owen Morgan continuing uh, to lead the side. He, he led them in the white ball matches in New Zealand. I wonder where that will go, actually, with Owen Morgan and how much longevity there is in him as England's white ball captain. I'm thinking... Australia at the end of the year. I wonder whether that that will be it that he sort of stays in on to lead England into the T20 competition in Australia. Although having said that, there's another one in India uh, the year after. I wonder whether you can see him going forward to the next World Cup in India in, in four years' yeah, time. It's a good question. I, I think you know it'll depend how he goes in that World T20 uh, mm. in Australia because if he still feels he's got the game. 
thing about one day cricket is it does move on very quickly mm. evolution fitness power speed bowling skills you know all sort of evolve and if he gets left behind because he's not playing a lot of other cricket uh, he, he might find it hard but he might find that dipping in and out of tournaments for England keeps him going, keeps him fresh. Yeah. It's difficult to tell. And there's that challenge, isn't there? That sort of tantalising challenge of trying to be the world 50-over champions and the world T20 champions at the same time. You think, well, why not give it a go? Why not? Uh, you know, you're, you're talented enough, you're in control of the side enough, uh, did well in, in New Zealand, batted well enough in New Zealand. Anyway, so it'll be fascinating to see how England get on in South Africa in the next... Uh, couple of weeks the show never stops does it really the, the one day uh, the international cricket it, it never stops and then it won't be long before they're off to uh, Sri Lanka and then the IPL starts and it all starts again you know, with a, a, a domestic season so uh, it's not surprising the players have those uh, lags every now and again that perhaps someone like Joss Butler is is in at the moment and I guess that might lead neatly into our subject for next week which is uh, something I promised actually a couple of weeks ago and haven't yet delivered, which is a whole investigation into the mental health of cricketers and why more and more seem to be suffering anxiety, stress, having to take time off because of the pressures of the modern game. So that's next week. This is this week, and England have won 3-1 in South Africa. Lots of people expected them to do it, but they have delivered. Well played. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.